memory verse this morning. We're going to be in 2 Chronicles chapter 7. I, uh, I thought about this verse a lot over the last couple of weeks, and, and, uh, and it's just been kind of a wild week, hasn't it? I mean, it seems like, honestly, it, uh, the, the, uh, the whole election process was just like the coronavirus. Every time we got used to the bad news, it just got worse. So, <clears throat> so you probably recognize this verse. You probably recognize 2 Chronicles 7.14. I want to look at that, that verse, not, not because you don't know it, but because perhaps you haven't ever studied it. You haven't ever looked at it deeply and, and considered what it has to say. So we're going to be in 2 Chronicles chapter 7. We're going to start in verse 12 and go to verse 16 this morning, and, and we'll do it in our usual way. We'll look at the context. We'll look at what it says about God, what it says about us, and what we need to do. And so let's read Second Chronicles chapter 7, starting in verse 12. Then the Lord appeared to Solomon at night and said to him, I have heard your prayer and have chosen this place for myself as a temple of sacrifice. If I shut the sky so there is no rain, or if I command the grasshoppers to consume the land, or if I send pestilence on my people and my people who bear my name, humble themselves, pray and seek my face and turn from their evil ways, then I will hear from heaven, forgive their sin and heal their land. My eyes will now be open and my ears attentive to prayer from this place. And I have now chosen and consecrated this temple so that my name may be there forever. My eyes and my heart will be there at all times. So let's, uh, let's look at first the context here. The context, the larger context, is Solomon has finally built the temple that, that his son da or, or his father David wanted to. David desperately wanted to, to build a temple for God. But God said there was too much blood on his hands. David's position, David's calling was to be a warrior. Solomon was the builder. And so his son, David's son Solomon, builds this temple. And about chapter 3, they start a dedication of this temple. And then in, in, verse, or in chapter 6, and I, I encourage you to read chapter 6 later today, tomorrow, to see the prayer that Solomon offers. Because what, where we picked up is where God answers the prayer Solomon asked in verse 6, or chapter 6, rather. So, so this, is, uh, this is God's answer to the prayer that Solomon gives in, in chapter 6. And at the very beginning of chapter 7, what Solomon does is he does a lot of sacrifices to cleanse the temple for, it, for its use, so it's ready to use. I want you to notice something right off the bat. The first verse we, we read says that later that night, then the Lord appeared to Solomon that night. We have a problem right here, don't we? Our, one, of the, one of the greatest problems in our prayer life is that we don't, we don't get the answer we want in the time we want it. We tell God how he needs to answer the prayer and when by he needs to get this done. Solomon does all of this. He prays. He does the sacrifices. He does all this stuff. And then later that night, 
God answers him. So the first point, I guess, to consider, God answers his way and in his time, not ours. Not the way we expect and not in our time, his. So God answers this prayer, and that's, that's really where we pick up in verse 12. So what does this say about God? What does this passage, this passage tell us about God? The first thing is, the uncomfortable fact that God will send trouble our way to get us back to him. Look at verse 13. If I shut the sky, if I command the grasshopper to consume the land, if I send pestilence, God will send trouble our way to draw us back to him. We Think about your history. Think about all the way through the, the history of the Israelites. When they strayed from God, they paid the price for it. God has, God's wrath on sin is real. So the first thing we have to, to understand is that God will send trouble our way to get us to seek him. It says so right there in verse 13. Now it also says that God forgives sin. The, the promise is clear. God forgives sin. If we humble ourselves and pray and turn from our evil ways, and, and turning from our evil ways is repentance. That's the, the, the word we would use today for that, repent. And so if we, if we humble ourselves and pray and repent, God forgives sin. He says he will right here. So what does this look like? Well, humbling ourselves... What does it mean to humble ourselves? Well, first of all, if you are a Christian, if you have come to Christ, then you have had a point in your life where you have humbled yourself and understood your need for a Savior. I am not good enough. I am not holy enough. I am not going to get to God on my own. I need a Savior. So if you're a Christian, you bet you've humbled yourself at one point. At some point, you have, you have decided that there is a God and it isn't you. That, that you needed a Savior. You needed a Lord. And so we, we at some point in our lives surrender our sovereignty to God. Now I, I continue to say the problem with this pandemic and, and all this stuff that's going on in our world, what, what challenges us most is the fact that we want to be in control and we're not. It challenges our sense of sovereignty over our life. We're not sovereign. You're not in charge. There is a God, and it isn't you. There is a God, and he's in charge. So we need to humble ourselves. And then, then it says pray. Now, I have to tell you that a lot of our prayers are wish lists, <laughs> or they are simply just, uh, God, I need this by this point. I need this by this time. We don't, we, we don't seek God in prayer earnestly. We just give him a list of stuff we need him to do, right? Sort of like the handyman, right? Here's the list of stuff you need to fix, and, and, and I'll, I'll, I'll be waiting here for you to finish that. We need to pray earnestly and fervently. And then it says, seek his face. Now, seeking, the, seeking his face, in, in the Middle Eastern culture, the face is the most intimate part of the body. That's why women cover it. 
so only their husbands see their face. It, it, it's the most intimate part of the body. And so when, when, when we see this and we seek his face, we're seeking intimacy with God. We're seeking a, a relationship with God that is intimate, that, that, that we can speak directly to our Father. So this is what we need to do. We need to humble ourselves. We need to pray. We need to seek his face. We need to turn from our sin. Repentance. Repentance, turning from our sin, is not just trying to sin less often. Turning from our sin is turning from sin to God. And this also tells us that God heals our land. Isn't that what we need today? Isn't that exactly what we're crying out for? For God to heal the virus. For God to heal the political situation. For God to heal the division in our country. We, we desire God healing our nation. And this is a promise that he will. He promises right here that he will. Could America be the kind of place that listens to God again? Yes. God says it can. Can America be the kind of place where the church is the moral compass of a society again? Yes. God says so. Is it on you and I? No. It's on God. He makes this promise. He says he can do it. We need to just do our part. This also tells us that God's eyes and ears are open to us. God's eyes and ears and heart are open to us. It says that they will remain in the temple forever. Where is the temple now? You. You and I are the temple. It, it, in, fact, in fact, 1 Corinthians 6.19 says, Don't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is within you? We are the temple, and that means that we have the eyes and, and ears and heart of God within us, always attentive to us. His eyes, his ears, his heart, always dwelling in the temple, us. It is God's desire to heal our land, not because we deserve it, not because we've earned it somehow, not because we, we check off the boxes uh, of this verse, but because it's his desire. Why would he make the promise if it wasn't? Is God under any obligation whatsoever to heal our land? No. None. He gives us this promise because it is his desire to heal our land. So what does this say about us? Well, there's no sugarcoating it. It says we have a sin problem. We have a sin problem. And it's not just outside the church. It's in the church. Notice what, who all of these are directed to. My people who bear my name. So we, we want to blame the non-Christian for everything that's going wrong in our country, Right? We want to blame the non-believer for everything. Clearly, if they only knew Jesus, why don't they know Jesus? Because we didn't tell them. My people who bear my name, we, we have the responsibility before God. They don't. 
We cannot expect Christian behavior from a non-Christian. And yet we do. The problem is we have a sin problem, not just outside the church, but inside the church. We need to get right with God. We need to, need to take these steps, humble ourselves and pray and seek his face and turn from, his, from our evil ways inside the church. It's about us. First uh, Peter 4, 17 says, For it's time for judgment to begin in the household of God. That's us. We have a problem we need to solve. We cannot expect Christian behavior from the non-Christian. So what do we need to do? We need to do exactly what it says. We need to humble ourselves. We need to trust Christ as our Savior and Lord, realizing you can't do it on your own. You cannot reach God from where you are. You need Christ. I'm not good enough. I'm not holy enough. And I never will be apart from Christ. We need to understand that and humble ourselves. You know, humbling ourselves is done in other ways too. Worship is a good example. We have, we have done some worship songs this morning and, I, and I'm really hoping that, that that was a humbling experience for you because worship in, in, in its very core recognizes who God is, what he's done and why we need him. It's a humbling experience. It's humbling to understand that, that we need his mercy. We need his grace. We need his light to shine upon us. We need the things that we worshiped today. It's a humbling experience to worship. Humbling ourselves also means trusting God, though. Uh, I, I keep saying it, but our problem with all of the ills of our society is that we have no control over them. You're not in control. You never were. There is a God and it ain't you. It ain't me. There is a God that is in control. And so we need that God. We need an intimate relationship with that God. We need to pray. Prayer also recognizes good prayer, earnest prayer also recognizes our situation and who can fix it. Right? Somebody once said uh, that, that worry is a conversation you have your, with yourself about things you can't change. Prayer is a conversation with God who can change anything. We pray recognizing who we are, who God is, and what we need. How we are going to survive with God. Prayer is humbling. And it says we need to seek his face. Seek intimacy with God through prayer, through worship, through reading his word. Intimacy with God. And we need to turn from our evil ways. Not just the folks outside the church. Us. We have a sin problem. Even inside the church. We need to turn toward God. Repentance is not just sinning less often. It is turning to God instead of sin. So let's look at verse 14. And my people who bear my name, 
as I keep saying, it's about us. It's about the household of God. We cannot blame the ills of our society and our culture on the non-Christian. This is about us. This is a promise made to us and a challenge made to us. It's time for us, the people of God, to kneel and fight. Humble themselves, pray and seek my face. We talked about what this looks like, recognizing God as God, recognizing our need for Christ, recognizing who God is and that we're not God, that he's in charge. Praying, seeking intimacy with him. Think about it. The one who made the heavens and the earth, the one who made everything you see, desires a relationship with you. Isn't that kind of incredible? And all we need to do is seek his face and turn from their evil ways. This is about the people of God. He doesn't say this. God doesn't give this to Solomon and say about those other folks, those folks that aren't coming to the temple, those are the ones that need to turn from their evil ways. He says we do. We need to turn from our evil ways. Then I will hear. It is God's desire to listen to us. It's God's desire to hear us and forgive our sin and heal our land. But we must turn to God for this to happen. God has no obligation to heal this land except the promise he makes here. If we turn to him, we are the temple of God, each, each one of us. We have the eyes of God, the ears of God, the heart of God within us. We need to turn to God. God intends to change the world through you, through us. He intends to heal our land through us. It's a promise made to us. Will we humble ourselves? Will we pray? Will we seek his face? And will we turn from our evil ways? Can you trust God with tomorrow? I'm going to ask that you bow your heads. And just consider this. Do you trust that God has tomorrow in hand? Do you trust that, that, that the course of our nation is in his hands, not ours, not the Democrats, not the Republicans, not the independents, not the non-Christian, not the Christian, his hands. If we will simply humble ourselves, recognize God as God, pray earnestly, fervently, Seek his face. Seek intimacy with God and turn from our evil ways. God will heal our land. He heals us first. Notice that? He forgives. He heals us. Then he heals our land. Will you pray with me? Father, it is our desire for you to heal our land. It is our desire, Father, 
that we have an intimate relationship with you. And so we ask you to forgive us where we have failed you. We ask you, Father, for your presence and your power in your churches around this nation. Heal our land. We ask in the name of Jesus. Amen.